Well, welcome back to the show, everybody. It's uh, your boys on 94 Feet and Beyond on the Ticket 760, ladies and gentlemen. Um, first show of 2021. Um, well, hopefully we'll be on Ticket 760 one of these days, but uh, not yet. Um, you know, we've got goals out here on the show, but uh, for now... Um, you know, it seems like we started off 2021 with uh, high hopes of, uh, you know, get moving on and uh, trying to make it, um, you know, the United States a better place with what seems to be an effective vaccine. Um, I've gotten my first round and I'll get my second round of the dose uh, next week. So if you're able to, please get yours. That's our way out of this living hell, which is the coronavirus pandemic. And I can tell you firsthand that people are dying left and right every day. And, um, you know, we're moving them out and we're replacing them with other people and they last a few days and then they die. So it's very important if you have access to get the vaccine, please do so. Um, you know, as we had some hope, we see what um, has been going on at Capitol Hill today with the riots um, invoked by um, Donald Trump himself. Um, Joe, your thoughts on what happened up there on Capitol Hill today with the riots, please. Oh, man. You know, I was actually taken by surprise. I was here working from home. And my buddy called me. He's like, dude, hey, did you see the news? I'm like, no. And then I got a text from my mom and my dad to be careful. So I was like, well, you know, what's, what's going on? I thought something in San Antonio happened on this side of town. And sure enough, the first thing I see on social media is this riots breaking out. So I'm like, oh, well, I got to go to Twitter and see what this is all about. Because I'm sure Donald has something to say. <laughs> sure enough, there's a video of him calling the election results a fraud still. A lot of Republicans still with the whole voter fraud bs and all hell just broke loose and it's really a testament of what our country and the direction that it has been going these past few years i didn't think it was this bad but i mean it's definitely hit the over the boiling point by by now and i don't think this is gonna go away anytime soon especially when uh uh, joe biden and then kamala harris are sworn into presidency i honestly wouldn't be surprised if now that the democrats control the senate with kamala harris being the tie-breaking vote if they try to impeach trump now and get him removed from office immediately and i mean now you're starting to see that a lot of his own cabinet members are not with donald anymore i mean you have mike pence over here not going with what Donald was expecting. He he was expecting the results to get rejected, and Mike Pence just clearly said that he can't do that to disrupt the democracy. And he was going to accept the uh, election results. So, what remains to be seen between their fractured relationship for the rest of these coming days is that'll be kind of interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, I mean, and as you know, I mean, they've he's been trying to take this to court for a couple months now and even all these lawyers just keep backing out because there's just no evidence of anything and the counts have been right there was no fraud i mean he's been pushing and pushing and he said they're not going to go down easy they're not going to go down weekly i mean 
he basically invoked the riots today, which was just not okay, especially as commander in chief of the country and uh, a country that's run on democracy like the United States. And it's just sad to see um, all these people, you know, thousands and thousands of people being so, you know, showing so much brutality, um, you know, towards our capital and, you know, and implicitly, you know, so much destruction and, you know, a, a woman lost her life today and there could be others. And um, it's just, there's no need for it. He's a sore loser. They're all sore losers. Um, you know, give it up. You lost, dude. Like, you're a terrible person. You should have never been president. You're only there for yourself. You don't care about us or the American people. You just care about, you know, saving your own ass. And, you know, he's, you know, he's going to be, you know, escorted out of that damn White House into a fucking cop car for all I'm concerned because of all the crap that he's been able to pardon himself from up to this point. You know, he's just been trying to preserve his ego and protect himself from all the stuff that he's done wrong, even before he was president. No, I definitely agree. I mean, he has a lot of skeletons in his closet and a lot of bad stuff to answer for. I mean, stuff that we probably don't even know about, you know, and it's, it, I don't know, it's just, it's, I never thought that we'd live through something like this. And I think George Bush, who recently came out, generally statement said it best, you know, we may not all agree on our political views, but one thing's for sure, we can't let a man and his supporters, regardless of party, affect our democracy as a country moving forward. We need to accept the results and give the next person a chance to see what they can do. Yeah, I mean, it's that's what the democracy is. The, the majority of the people, whether it was a landslide or not decided that they wanted Joe Biden to be their president and they were unhappy with what Trump had done. Of course, you know, 70 million uh, people voted for Trump and 80 million voted for Biden. But I mean, you know, at some point you have to say, well, we lost and, you know, we'll try again in four years, especially if we don't like what happens these four years. But, you know, it remains to be seen what will be done. And, you know, it looks like there may they may be able to get some good stuff done now that they're going to be able to control the Senate. Yeah, I, hopefully some good things are done, and hopefully still, you know, both sides can come to agreement on things and pass stuff that makes sense. You know. Yeah, and uh, you know, kind of moving away from the politics, Joe, um, for what we're really here to do, which is talk sports and. A lot of news out of UT this past week, and we're going to start with Longhorn football on the 40 acres, Joe. And, you know, last week we watched the game together, the Alamo Bowl, where the Longhorns just dominated the Colorado Buffs uh, pretty much the entire game with a final score of 55 to 23. And, you know, a bunch of people of, of the seniors and upperclassmen opted out. Um, to not play in the game just to get ready for the draft and uh, or just didn't want to play, whatever their reasons were. And, uh, 
you know, there was plenty of people who opted out the entire season, um, especially some defensive starters. Um, and then, you know, Ellinger played the first half and then towards the end of that second quarter, he really just wasn't looking too good throwing the football downfield. And uh, second half come out and we see Casey's Thompson starting and he played a hell of a game um, where, you know, he's only had probably 20 snaps in his career, um, came out there and I believe he went like 10 for like 15 for 170 yards and four touchdowns um, leading the Longhorns to victory. And that was in about a, a quarter and a half of work because we did see Hudson card and then one other guy come in um, the game. So he played very, very well and very efficient. He made, you know, big time throws um, on the run and in the pocket into tight windows. And he threw wide receivers open. He threw balls where uh, only his wide receivers could get them. Um, You know, very encouraging uh, seeing, you know, the freshman, especially Bajan Johnson at the running back position, he's really developed this year um, into a strong runner. Uh, definitely a number one guy, definitely a guy that should have gotten more carries um, as the season went on. But, you know, as we know now, they fired Tom Herman on Saturday. And, uh, you know, there was some questionable play calls all year long from him, really in his whole tenure um, at the University of Texas. But uh, I was willing to give him a pass for this season just because of COVID, um, because of injuries, and because of opt-outs. Um, of course, we we were both very upset with how things were going, especially after that loss to OU. Um, You know, when you have a senior quarterback like Sam Ellinger losing to a freshman quarterback um, and Spencer Rattler at OU in overtime, that's just super disheartening. And then um, the TCU loss was a really bad loss. And the final straw was really that Iowa State loss um, there towards the end, which gave them no um, chance of making it to the Big 12 championship. Um, we'll start out with that part of it, Joe, your thoughts on anything that any remarks that I just made. Uh, I think the one thing I will disagree with you on is giving Tom Herman, a a pass. I mean, we see all these other teams battling under the same circumstances and they were able to get it done with their more tenured players, even when they had opt outs, you know, I think me personally, I think the final straw for uh, Chris Conti and the boys were was losing to OU. I mean, it, it's been years. It almost feels like since Texas has won the Big Twelve championship, and oh yeah, and it's 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 very disheartening for the fan base, especially the buy-in from a lot of donors, especially your athletic director, when you're losing to an OU team who was practically rebuilding. I mean, this was Texas' golden year to possibly make it to the college football playoff. Like, it, it literally was. This was their gold ticket, and they chucked it away. I think Sam Ellinger regressed a lot 
this season after maybe the fourth game. He didn't look like the same kind of guy. I mean, maybe it's because of the play calling. I- I'm not sure, but yeah. I agree with you with uh, Bijan uh, Robinson. I mean, he should have really been holding the rock. I mean, the guy was the guy was an animal whenever he touched the ball. I mean, yeah. by half by halftime, he had what was it like 120 something yards on seven rushes. And out, on my way home after the half, you know, I was hearing on the radio. And even saw on social media, like, what is Tom Herman doing? Like, yeah. why is it that this guy got seven, eight carries in the first quarter and then he doesn't touch the ball ever again for the pretty much the rest of the game? He was, yeah. he was literally carving up the defense on the run with that one running back. And that's something you can't do is when you have somebody that's – do you have somebody that's on, they're on. They're going to be on all game, especially when you have no answer on the defense. And I, I'll give Sam a little – I'll be a little lenient. He didn't have his downfield threats. But, I mean, he has to do a better job. There's a lot of missed throws and very questionable throws. I I just don't see him – and I don't agree with Mel Kuyper being um, in his top ten quarterbacks for the for the draft. I think he goes in the sixth round, probably maybe the fifth. But yeah. I don't think he's – I don't think he's anything more than a practice squad quarterback. Honestly, I don't even see him being a backup in the in the league. And they might do with him with um, with what the Cowboys did to Blake Bell is transition him into a tight end. Yeah, I mean he's he's got some size, no question. It's six three two thirty, and he's a tough runner for sure. And he's a hard man to take down. I'm sure he's got pretty good hands. Um, but yeah, I mean. I mean, the only real guy that on the offensive side of the football, other than some of the linemen that sat out, was Brennan Eagles. And then Casey Thompson came in the second half and was throwing bombs to Joshua Moore and, um, you know, Malcolm Epps and, you know, some of the other younger guys, Woodard and all these other young dudes that were getting snaps. I mean, they were – they were beating, uh, you know, the defenders um, in the secondary, and he was throwing them open, and Ellinger was just off. And I don't know if that was because of injury, but that was, you know, like you said, kind of a story of the season later on was Ellinger was not as sharp as, as we've been accustomed to seeing the previous three years. Um, but – the other news was they hired Steve Sarkeesian, a.k.a. the Sark Daddy, to take over as head coach for Tom Herman, the offensive coordinator from Alabama. Um, he will be coaching uh, Monday night um, in the championship game, and then his focus will switch fully to the 40 acres. Um, you know, I think that's out of what was available probably – the best hire they could have made other than urban Meyer, especially after urban said no. Um, like I said earlier, I, I was, I would have been interested to see, um, what Tom Herman would have done, um, with those freshman guys that we got to see a lot of in the Alamo bowl, especially on the defensive side. And, um, with the guys that he had returning and Casey Thompson at quarterback, um, I was willing to, you know, give him that one more year. 
just to see if he would do anything differently. But yeah, like you were saying, there was a lot of, uh, you know, questionable calls all year long, especially with the Keontae Ingram thing, um, leaving him in ball games after he would fumble multiple times. Um, You know, that was another one that was kind of a big deal. Um, when they lost to OU, he had at least one or two fumbles, and then he had a couple fumbles against TCU, and he just continued to get carries. And I don't know, he must have been a coach's favorite or something, but um, yeah, the way he was rotating the running backs did not make much sense. Some of the play calling with, you know, he likes to run those wide receiver screens, just not good plays, um, especially in you know, big time games against OU and teams that you really, you know, have to force the ball downfield. Um, to kind of end up the uh, football segment, um, there was some question there for a little while about Sam Ellinger um, coming back or not, but he did declare for the draft, which I'm glad he did. I'm, uh, you know, he he did a good four years for us. He was 4-0 and in bowl games, but it was time for him to go. And um, I, I hope the best to him in the NFL. I mean, at, at best, he'll be a backup, I think. But, um, you know, it's, it's going to be tough for him to really do what he was doing well at UT um, at the next level. But... Uh, It'll be very interesting to see what Casey Thompson can do next year um, with a bunch of those uh, good young wide receivers and then Bajon Johnson and the defense with all those uh, freshmen looked really well um, in that Alamo Bowl game. So um, any closing remarks, Joe, on the uh, uh, Longhorn football team moving into the 2021 year? Well, it'll be interesting. I think uh, I think that's a good move hiring Sarkeesian. I mean, he's known really as a QB whisperer, so it kind of makes you think: Is Ewer is going to now decommit from OU, and will he be able to re get him recommitted to Texas? You know, have him compete with uh, Casey Thompson. No, especially now knowing that Ellinger is not going to be there anymore. I, I'm thinking that's what went into that kid's decision is, oh, man, well, Ellinger has technically one more year of eligibility. Why am I going to burn a year? And yeah. Justin Fields obviously going to the NFL. You know, maybe that opens the door for Texas to kind of reel him back in, and that gives them that championship pedigree. Like, hey, you know, Sarkeesian, you know, he's won championships with Alabama. Oh, he's, yeah. He's coached at the highest levels of you know, you have all these people, you know, Heisman finalists, Heisman winners that he's coached. So maybe maybe they're able to reel him back in and we'll have a, the number one QB pretty much in the nation of his class for the first time since Vince Young. So, yeah, I didn't, I didn't think about that, about getting some of the recruits back that they lost uh, with the coaching change. That could happen. You never know. Um, yeah, and I mean, I was seeing reports and all that that current players that didn't like uh, Tom Herman were telling them, you know, recruits that were coming in, like, don't commit here. Like, you're going to be wasting your career. And that's why all these people were flipping. So who knows? Maybe that culture changes with 
this change. I mean, you saw the social media reaction from former players. I mean, they were they were happy that Tom Herman was gone, and they didn't even play for the guy anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, I just he wasn't he wasn't built for that stage. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him if he even wants to coach. For he may take a year off. He they paid him ten million to walk away. Uh, oh yeah. But you know, like it, like where he was at the University of Houston, he was a good coach for that level of D one. But I think the big time stage, like a Texas and you know OU, these kind of bigger schools, I don't think he was made for that. At least he's too much pressure for him. Yeah, it's just he he didn't he didn't live up to expectation, and like you said. This was supposed to be the year that they took the Big 12 championship. I mean, it was a down year for OU, and then they still won it. It's just, you and know. And OU wasn't very good. Right. And they they came through, and they, you know, beat us, and they won more games than us down the stretch and, you know, didn't lose to yeah. TCU. And, uh-huh. um, you know, some of the bad losses that they had, and they took they care of. They counteracted because then they had good wins. Yeah, so I mean, it's you know they, it's uh, OU's uh, you know conference to lose pretty much every year until proven otherwise. So um, you yeah, know, so definitely had to watch. Definitely had to watch out for Iowa State moving forward. Yeah, they're you know they're you know they were very deserving of being in the Big Twelve championship. Definitely over us, they ended up making that a close game. So. Yeah, I mean they'll they'll be definitely a force to be reckoned with um, in the coming years. So um, yeah, watch out for OU in Iowa State moving forward. But you know, staying with the University of Texas, Joe, um, the men's basketball team is now number four in the nation with a nine and one record and three and zero in Big Twelve conference play. Um, you know, started off the season um, playing very well, um, as they usually do. They usually get our hopes up non-conference and play pretty well. And they ended up winning the Maui Invitational over North Carolina in the championship game. And then, um, you know, the big 20-point victory on Saturday, uh, the 25-point victory, excuse me, over the then number three Kansas and when Texas was number eight. And then last night in a close one, 78 to 72 over Iowa State. And then Saturday they'll go to number 14 West Virginia up in Morgantown. You know, this team uh, led by their senior guards, Matt Coleman, who's averaging 13.7. And then Courtney Ramey, um, he's averaging 13.3, Andrew Jones, 13.1. And then the big one was Greg Brown um, coming in as a freshman, averaging 12 and 7 rebounds right now. Kai Jones has really stepped up this year in his second year, um, playing some power forward and center. Um, he's averaging 8.9 points. And then the senior center, uh, Jericho Sims, um, these guys are really starting to figure it out, um, playing very good defense. They've always been a really good defensive team. 
But uh, the story of the game against uh, Kansas the other day was the three-point shooting that they just were making every three they looked at. So um, exciting to see. Um, You know, I haven't watched a whole lot of the games. Um, I've watched some here and there. The one I watched the most was that one on Saturday. But the guards really seem to be gelling and the offense is looking better. Um, I think Shaka Smart is really motivated to get this team to do big things this year because if he doesn't, he's probably gone. Um, Joe, your thoughts um, on what Shaka Smart and the Longhorns can do this year and what you may or may not have seen thus far? I honestly think that this is probably the best Longhorn team we've seen in a while, but I'm still kind of skeptical I'd like to see how they perform finally being ranked in the top 10, let alone the top five. Yeah. I, I would like to see more of Shaka Smart, you know, hey, you know, is your ego going to get to you? Like, oh, you know, this, this is the best team I've had kind of thing. Or is he going to be able to steer these guys, especially uh, it's a pretty young team, you know, steer these guys like, hey, you know, don't get too excited play within yourself, don't try to do too much kind of thing. So, I mean, really the same the same take as with uh, Texas football. I mean, I feel like it's Texas's conference to lose at this point. I mean, Kansas doesn't look like the same Kansas from past years. A lot of these big-name schools like North Carolina, the Kentuckys, you know, a lot of these schools, they're not that good this year. And I think it's because of COVID. I, I think a lot of these – players again opted out so you can yeah. see a lot of Cinderella teams being ranked and make, making a run in the tournament come March assuming that they are able to hold it and I mean it, it, it'll it'll be interesting but I think this Texas team I don't think they're going to be a first or a second round exit in the tournament I think they're going to be an automatic bid I think they'll finish conference with one maybe two losses at most, but they're going to be like those hard-fought those hard fought ones. It's not going to be one of those where it was just a bunch of turnovers. It's just going to be where it's just one of those teams, you know, it's, it was their night. And, but I think they'll hold on to the Big 12 championship when they're when their tournament, get an automatic bid. And I would, I would like to say that they would host, but I'm pretty sure the NCAA is going to go into a bubble, kind of like the uh, – the NBA did. I know for the women's, they're going to be doing a bubble and that's supposed to be actually being hosted here in San Antonio. So that'll be fun if we're able to make a game or two. Yeah. Hopefully by then we'll uh, be vaccinated and stuff and, you know, starting to see maybe us come down on numbers, but yeah, this team is, I think it's a pretty special team, you know, led by the senior guards. Um, you know, I think if they lose a game, it would probably be to Kansas at home. But they play Kansas at the Irwin Center very well. Um, you know, every year up or down, they play them very close at home. So I think they probably actually beat Kansas at home, but they could lose that one. And I really haven't seen um, how good Baylor is this year. So that could be a potentially another loss, one of those games, because they have to play them twice still. Um, all the other teams are kind of, you know, middle of the pack, nothing crazy good. 
I think TCU is kind of on the uptick this year. Um, so, yeah, maybe one or two losses, um, win the Big 12 tournament, and then, you know, hopefully make a you know good deep run in the March Madness tournament. And, uh, you know, hopefully that'll, you know, Shaka and the boys will step up to the plate and make something happen this year and finish it off. Yeah, I think they really need to be careful this week uh, against West Virginia. For whatever reason, they always struggle with their defense. And West Virginia, they might not be a high-powered offense, but their half-court defense, it's always been phenomenal. So that's something to watch moving forward. Yeah, that that is kind of a trap game up in Morgantown, Press, Virginia. Uh, so it should be an interesting game to watch um, and see how they handle it. Um Moving on into our next segment here, we'll be talking about the NFL. And that'll be coming up next. All right, so we're we're gonna be talking some uh <laughs> we're gonna be talking some NFL here for you guys. Um, you know, of course, wild card weekend coming up this weekend, but you know, before we really get into the playoff talk here, Joe. Um, you know, a lot of news out of Philly this week on Doug Peterson's move to bench Jalen Hurts, you know, in the fourth quarter was plenty of time left to come back down 17 to 14. Um, your thoughts on on the move and what you've heard this week about the move, Joe? Well, you know, I feel very, very strong and passionate about this being an athlete myself. I, I think it's a lot of crap. Uh I think the dude should be fired. I don't blame Jason Peters going to the media and calling him out, calling out the players. Like that, that's not something you do. It's it's like an unwritten rule. Yeah. Whether you whether you whether you're bad, good, average, you play to win. You yeah. look at the Jets, man. I mean, the Jets are pretty much in the shitter, and they go out, bust their tails off, and try to win every game. You do that as a professional athlete and as an athlete in general. Yeah. You don't you don't just lay down and let another team steamroll you and you know question what I would like to say your manhood. Yeah. Playing a playing a men's sport. I mean, it, it, it's uncalled for. You know, people are going to be blasting Joe Judge from the Giants because they're going to view it as, oh, you're just mad because you didn't make the playoffs. Like, that's not the point. You know. It, the point is, like, you're a professional athlete. A lot of these athletes, you don't know if it was probably their last game ever. What if somebody gets hurt in training camp or in the offseason, you know, and their career's cut short and they couldn't go off with the wins? Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things, too. Like, you're going into the offseason. You don't want to lose your final game. You're not going to be playing for a whole nother year. You yeah. want to go in with momentum to the, you know, they've found some hope in Jalen hurts cause he's played very well, um, you know, coming in for Carson Wentz and to pull him in a game that was so close and a game that meant a lot for the football team, you know, the Washington football team that is, um, to pull him and, you know, basically lay down and let him win. And uh, it's, yeah, it's a sticky situation there, a sticky situation with Carson Wentz and, um, Doug Peterson, um, you know, it's crazy how a team that won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago is having issues now 
making the playoffs for one, but, you know, having issues um, at the coaching position and, you know, at the quarterback position. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens there, Joe. I think I think Carson Wentz is done. I agree with all the reports saying that he's going to – well, that he wants to be traded to the Indianapolis Colts. I think I think Carson Wentz's career is done in Philadelphia. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any room for him there um, at this point, especially with all that's gone on um, this year and how he performed this year. Um, and then, you know, more so what Jalen Hurts was able to do when he came in and the reason why they drafted Jalen Hurts last year so early. And, um, you know, it's it's his team now. He showed that. Um, you know, some questionable moves by Peterson. Um, but for the Eagles to move on with Jalen Hurts at quarterback, that seems like the right move. And to uh, trade away um, Wentz and that big contract and try to get something for him would would seem like the smart move on their part. Yeah, um, I, don't, I don't think the Eagles will be good next year, but the following year, I think the Eagles will be back. They'll be an above 500 team. Yeah, let let Jalen Hurts get a full off season, full couple off seasons, and a full season. You know, continue to bring in stuff around him, and you never know what might happen. Yep. But uh, before we we get into the uh, playoff predictions, you know, we're gonna do a sixty second rebuttal on you know, and that may not be long enough for your Cowboys, Joe, but um, to talk about some changes the Cowboys need to make in order to get back to winning football and you know what in your eyes joe what do the cowboys need to do um to get back to winning football after the six and ten season and your 60 seconds starts now well first off they need to get rid of ezekiel elliott get out from under that contract uh, me personally, I was a Zeke fan, but he lost all my respect taking himself out of games. Just take him out, get trade picks, run with the go with the running back committee. You've already shown everybody that you're not a running team anymore with Dak Prescott. You're going to be spreading the ball around with pretty much three number one wide receivers. So that's out of the question. Get rid of Zeke, get some draft picks, and see what you can do moving forward. As far as this year in the draft, See what you can get for that number 10 pick. Trade backwards if you have to and get yourself an all-defensive uh, uh, draft this year. That's really all I have. I mean, that's, yeah. that's what's for the Cowboys to go back to their winning and championship days. They have a capable offense. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. They're often more than capable. They made some really good off-season moves and in-season moves as far as their offensive line, bringing Joe Looney back and bringing that guard back from uh, Kansas City. I mean, unfortunately, he got hurt, but still a very good player. You got uh, all these backups, and all these backups have come a long way, you know? Mm-hmm. And Tyrone Smith and all the all of them are still hurt coming this offseason from injuries and recovery. But I think the Cowboys' offense will be fine. I think Dak Prescott will be fine spreading the ball around. Those receivers are all 1,000-yard receivers easily. But get rid of Zeke, focus heavily on drafting defense this year and maybe trading that number 10 pick, trading backwards and see what falls into your lap and 
see who will give you what for your first round pick. All right. Um, and I'll give a 60 second explanation for the Patriots here after a seven and nine posting. And, uh, you know, the, the first time they've missed the playoffs since I believe 2007. And then, you know, the first time they've had a losing season since 2000, um, you know, we really got to see this year, um, that, that Belichick needs Brady out there. And, uh, you know, of course, Cam Newton didn't live up to expectation. He really showed that he wasn't able to make the downfield throws. Um, I can't really fault him a whole lot on that um, just because he came in so last minute. Um, you know, he didn't get a good offseason with the guys. I'll give him that. But, like, even still, like, he wasn't able to make the big-time throws for the team. And, you know, as has been the issue for, you know, three to four years now is they don't have any really legitimate uh, number one wide receiver. Number two, they don't have these big downfield threats anymore. And that was shown to be a huge issue for him because he didn't have, you know, any help from any of the guys that they had. Nikhil Harry and the guys did not step up to uh, help him out even on, you know, when you overthrow or underthrow some of, you know, those big play receivers can help you out. Um, But I think moving forward, um, these guys have to get a new quarterback. They have to, you know, draft somebody wherever they get their pick. Um, If that's Kyle Trask or whoever they can get um, later on. Um, or make a trade for somebody um, like a Matt Stafford or, you know, somebody who can hold the, the position for a couple of years until they get a, you know, a really good uh, QB pick. And as we've been saying for years, they need to get wide receivers. They need to get weapons for offense. They're okay at running back. Um, the defensive side of the ball is pretty decent but they need to get big play receivers and a quarterback. And that's about all I've got on the Patriots, Joe. Um, Now some playoff talk with our predictions for this weekend and beyond, Um, starting with Saturday's wild card round. Um, Joe, your prediction for Bills versus Colts, you can go first on this one. I got the Bills. uh winning handedly and as you well know Sam uh, been a very long term fan of the Bills Mafia you may have seen some YouTube videos of me smashing through some uh, tables on fire he's but been, yeah I he's got- been jumping off like RVs onto tables and like chugging beer like midair and just like belly flopping on tables and- yeah I even got my own little Bills hat you know <laughs> kind of dressed like a buffalo during Halloween sometimes and uh, got the Bills winning Handedly, especially because of their defense. Yeah. Uh, their offense. Their offense is phenomenal. I have the Bills winning by a score of, I'm going to say, 30, 35 to 10, Sam. Wow. Um, I'll do a little bit closer on that one just because this is might be Rivers' uh, last, last two raw. Um, I'll give the Bills... I'll do 42 to 28 bills 
um, in this one. And for the next one, Joe, um, Rams versus Seahawks. Um, I'll have to take the Seahawks on this one. Um, I think they probably win like 35 to like 21 um, against them. And I think there's some questions at quarterback for the Rams I saw. And the Seahawks always step up in the playoffs. They have really good receivers. Um, You can never count out Russell Wilson with a serviceable defense. Um, I think they they end up getting it done against the Rams. Joe, and your thoughts on that one? I'll agree with you as far as who's winning. I got the Seahawks also, but I honestly have it a lot closer. I don't don't know why. I just think the Rams' defense is going to come to play. And Russell Wilson's going to have to pull out some tricks. And I'm going to say that they win 17-14 to 14 on a last-second drive. Oh, shit. If, if, they don't, if they don't hit it in the last-second drive, it's going overtime and the Seahawks are winning. Okay. And then the, the nightcap for uh, Saturday is Tampa Bay versus the Washington football team, Joe. Um, I'll let you go first on this one. Well, you know, Tampa Bay Bucks. I'm going to say they have a decent team, not a good team. Okay. They've been down all year. Uh, I actually have the football team winning and going to Lambeau Field next oh. week. I have the football team winning, Sam, by a spectacular performance by the Alex Smith and Chase Young with about two or three sacks on Mr. Brady. I'm going to give the football team – 21 to 17s. Oh, shit. Um, I'll go the other way on this one. Uh, TB12 and the boys are going to step up for the playoffs. Too many offensive weapons for these guys. Good running backs, good wide receivers. Um, a little slow to start the game. Uh, 20, 28 to 14 win for the Bucks Saturday night. And then Sunday, um, Baltimore versus Tennessee is going to be a very close game, I believe. Um, but again, you know, like we've kind of talked about all year, um, Lamar Jackson is going to struggle to throw the ball downfield, um, especially in the playoffs. I think uh, that the Titans end up beating these Ravens. Um, we'll do a score of, I guess, uh, 42 to 35. Oh, high scoring. Um, for Tennessee against Baltimore. Joe, your thoughts on that one? I'm not sure who the home team is, but if the home team's the Ravens, I still have them losing, but I have it as a closer win for the Titans. I'll say the Titans win. Ah, man, I would say. 24-21-and-I'm-gonna-have-Derrick-Henry-go-for-about-170-but-if-the-Titans-are-at-home-I-haven't-done-my-research-on-this-one-if-the-Titans-are-at-home-it's-gonna-be-a-blowout-you-can-
Oh. This is his make it. Hot this is make or break it season. Hot take on ticket 760. Um, <laughs> I mean, we, oh, we saw what he did in fantasy. Yeah, he choked for me. <laughs> uh, you know, I took him in the first round and I regretted it. Um, so the next one, Joe, I'll let you go first on is, uh, the Chicago bears versus your new Orleans saints, Joe. Oh uh, man, I think, I think the saints handle them easily. I think the saints get off to a slow start, maybe fall, fall like seven, seven to zero, 14, zero at the half. And, come back roaring and win 28 to 14. Yeah, I was going to say the Saints win pretty handily um, 35-14 and playoff Trubisky is just not there. Um, It really just depends on which Drew Brees decides to show up. I mean, he's looking a little old and this might be Drew Brees' last postseason ever, so really got to soak up the greatness because, I mean... We may never see another talent like him from out of the Austin area for a while. Yeah, I mean, this is, I think this is probably his last two raw as well. Um, you know, we've definitely seen some slippage this year. The 10 broken ribs didn't help. Um, of course, their defense is very good, and I think that carries them pretty far. But yeah, I think. It's it's yeah, like you said, it's gonna come down to how he plays ultimately. But th- I think they have definitely enough to win this game, um, thirty-five fourteen. And on the last one, um, Cleveland versus Pittsburgh, um, without head coach Stephen Stefanski, um, is gonna be tough for Cleveland to overcome that. I feel like um, having a special teams coordinator move over his head coach for a playoff game, you know, in a playoffs that they haven't been in in many years and haven't won a playoff game in many years against a division rival. I think. Yeah. A, a per, you know, a team they played last week, actually. Yeah. And that was with Mason Rudolph at quarterback. So uh, yeah, I, I think it's just too much for Cleveland to overcome it, but they lose. Um, probably in a close one because we've seen a lot of slippage from Pittsburgh of late. Um, you know, they started out 11 and 0 and ended up like 12 and 4 or something. I think they had a six game losing streak, didn't they? Or like a five game losing streak. I think they ended up 11 and 5. I think they hit 12. I think they got they got a win before last week. I think, yeah, because they were in they were in prime position to take the number one seed uh, yeah we were we were talking them up you know mid-season about how they were undefeated and how Roethlisberger was back and then we saw some slippage from Roethlisberger and the rest of the team and yeah I mean I they're I think they have enough to beat Cleveland and depending on where they match up the next round um will kind of depend on what they do but um, they'll probably beat Cleveland on account of uh, 21 to 28 in a close one. Um, just not enough without Stefanski and, you know, Pittsburgh just having more playoff experience. So, um, Joe, your thoughts on that last one? 
I think the honestly, I think the Browns win handedly. I don't I don't believe in the passing game anymore for Pittsburgh. I don't they definitely don't have no running game. No. Their def their defense is in shambles. I don't know what happened. That was like their cornerstone. TJ Watt really hasn't done too much. And I think Miles Garrett in that defense, I think they're due for another really good game. And I have them winning uh thirty four to like fourteen. Oh wow. Yeah. Well, I just seen like how people have been picking apart Pittsburgh's defense, and I think Baker Mayfield is going to have a career day. You know, he's going to be pumped. We all know that Baker Mayfield performs very good in playoff situations, and this is his first crack at it. So I think he overperforms and probably throws for about three forty-five, three fifty, with about four touchdowns. Damn. I mean, I'd like to see it. I'd like to. I'd like them to beat Pittsburgh. I'm not a. I'm not a Steeler fan, and a lot of the Steeler pay, players screwed me over in in fantasy. So that'd be nice to see. Good for Baker. I mean, it would be good for his confidence and kind of you know all the Browns. You know their fans. They haven't had a playoff win in years. I I think they put on a show for their fan base, and I think they get the win. But I don't. I think depending on the matchup next week. It just if, if they're matched up with Kansas City, they don't win. But they, yeah. have, a, they have a chance if they go to uh, Tennessee. Tennessee, yeah. Yeah, I I think you're right on that. And going just to finish off this segment, um, Kansas City and Green Bay um, have the bye this week. Um, just quick predictions on Super Bowl, Joe. Um, I think Kansas City squeaks their way in, back in. They, you know, I think it'll be a tough, tough road for both teams to make it. But I think uh, Kansas City makes it in, and then, you know, I know I'm going with the two number ones, but Green Bay has been on one this year, and uh, you know, um, Devonte Adams has played a very good season. Um, he's had an emergence from, uh, the tight end, Robert Tunyon and, you know, Aaron Jones did very well and, uh, Valdez Scantling and, um, Alan Lazard have really stepped up. I think this is make or break for, uh, Aaron Rodgers If he doesn't get it done this year, I think this is his time to go get a ring again. And, uh, bring home the, the victory for Matt LaFleur and the Packers in a tight game against Kansas City in the Super Bowl this year. Joe, um, what are your thoughts on the Super Bowl? That would be a cool matchup, you know, kind of new school versus old school. They're pretty much the exact same quarterback, the plays that they make, but I don't know. I, I don't see the Packers getting, getting past the NFC. I just think the NFC is – too loaded with good defenses. And I actually think Russell Wilson finally goes back to the oh. Super Bowl this year. I, I like they're kind of like that sleeper team. I don't know. They're there's just uh, something about the Seahawks that they're always in it. Uh, I think Pete Carroll gets his team fired up and I think they face the Kansas City Chiefs and I think that'll be a close one, but I think Russell Wilson comes up short. Uh, Mahomes gets his second title. 
Yeah, I mean, there's that's definitely a possibility, you know. Russell now, only now the only way that Kansas City will not make it though is if they play Tennessee, because Tennessee will do everything in their power to run Derrick Henry about 30, 40 times on a very weak Kansas City defensive front. Yeah, they're gonna. They'd have they'd have to do the kind of Liberty Hill type thing, keep the ball away from Mahomes and run out quarters and um, just pound the football with Henry, which they can do. And Tannehill's showed time and time again that he can hit some deep throws downfield, kind of mix it in with the play action. So yeah, um, that'd yeah, be- that's that's Tennessee's kryptonite right now. I feel like it's facing Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee had him on the ropes last year, but you can only do so much when they would stop Derrick Henry. Unfortunately, you know, Tennessee's defense couldn't hold up. And I mean, Kansas City was just scoring within one to two minute drives. I mean, yeah. And you can't let Kansas City get on top of you because once that happens, you're in a shootout. I mean, even if they run into Bill's Mafia too, I mean, that's another tough matchup. Yeah, that, that is because they're pretty much the exact same teams, except the Bills are missing, like, just that one player on offense to break it open. They need a they need a Tyree kill. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it'll, it'll be an interesting playoffs for sure. Um, you know, this round should be good. The second round should be very good. And then from there on out, it should be very close games. Um, yep. One last topic here, Joe. We've got about uh five minutes left on the show um we're gonna talk about some college football college football playoffs and the heisman winner um first part here um thoughts on the heisman winner for this year the first wide receiver to get the award um since 91 and only the fourth wide receiver to do it um Devontae smith joe I think it's very well deserving. That kid is, I think he's a transcendent talent. I think whoever gets him in the draft is, they're set for wide receiver. I mean, he's just very good. I mean, that there's no other way to put it. He outshined everybody, and it's well deserved, so hats off to him. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, you know, Trevor Lawrence had kind of a down year at times. Um, had some COVID struggles. Mac Jones was a good QB. He is a good QB. But, man, the guys that he's throwing to make him look even better. And then Kyle Trask was really good, but they had some um, precarious losses. Um, so, yeah, it's it's very well-deserved. He was, like you said, a transcendent talent, a, ta- a guy – that you have on the team that's going to change outcomes of ball games. So moving on to the predictions for the college football playoff championship, number one, Alabama versus number three, Ohio state, Joe. Um, I've got Ohio state in this one, Joe, and a close one. I think Justin Fields and the boys, um, you know, stop Bama and put them on the ropes, Joe. And I think that they end up winning this game by a score of 38-35 in a high-scoring affair, kind of last-second field goal drive 
by Justin Fields and the boys. I was very impressed by what I saw um, with them against Clemson. And, you know, of course they have a tall task, you know, containing Devontae Smith and Mac Jones, Jalen Waddle, Najee Harris, but I think they can withstand some blows and make something happen. Joe, your thoughts on the championship game? You actually took the score right out of my mouth. I mean, I, I have Ohio State, I have Ohio State winning in a in a tight one and a shootout. I think you know Devontae Smith. He's gonna do his thing. He's gonna probably have about three touchdowns and about one sixty. I mean, the guy is probably averaging about one twenty, one thirty a game. I'm sure. Oh yeah. Uh, I think they stopped Najee Harris for the most part. I mean, their defensive front's no joke. I mean, they were they were just on. Uh, they were all over ETN. And they, the they just stymied that Clemson running game. And, uh, they just uh, Clemson had no answer. And I think Justin Fields has a field day again. I think he probably has all the touchdowns in the game. Yeah. And I think I think Justin Fields is going to put on a show again. Probably have about four or five hundred passing yards. And if he wins this game, I think he's going number one. Oh, shit. Yeah, well, and he can he can easily flip the stock in this one game. Yeah, he could. I mean, it's a you know the biggest game he'll play of his career is going to be Monday night. If he so, struggles though, he he'll drop in stock to like from the number two pick to like the number three or number four. Yeah, he he can definitely help himself or hurt himself. But I because my prediction is. Trevor Lawrence goes number one. This is if he struggles. Trevor Lawrence, number one. Then you're going to have Devontae Smith go to the Jets at number two. At number three, you're going to have the Dolphins probably draft Najee Harris. And at number four, you'll probably have Justin Fields off the boards. I forgot who has a number four pick. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure off the top of my head. But, yeah, Um yeah, it's going to be a great game here. Um, should be a shootout, like we said. But uh, time's running out on this week's episode, guys. Um, be sure to listen to last uh, the last episode with Shriner men's basketball coach, uh, Coach Marwan L. Rockabawi, um, a.k.a. Coach Rock, on the most up-to-date content on your SCAC basketball and Mountaineer hoops. Um, thanks for always listening to us, um, and be sure to tune in next week, um, where we have some more sports updates for you for Sam Berg and Joe Martinez. This is the boys of 94 feet signing off for this week.